This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to another Sky Blues Extra podcast, albeit a little bit of a strange one this week. The EFL obviously took the decision to stop football and rightly so as a result of the coronavirus. Since then, more serious restrictions have been placed on the general public and with good reason. We hope that all of our followers, friends and family are all staying safe and hope that this episode just brings a little bit of entertainment for you while people are self-isolating at home in order to protect others. In this episode, with no games to review, no fixtures to preview, we'll discuss our favourite starting eleven from Coventry City, any team, any era, ever. We'll also discuss the latest update from the EFL regarding the coronavirus and future fixtures. And we'll also share our favourite Sky Blues captain and why And we've also going to include some of yours at home. So thanks for everyone that joined in earlier on on our Twitter page. They shared captains and why and and lots of comments. So we'll be sharing them a lot later on. But starting off, moving on, we've got our XI. Best Coventry City team ever, taking any player from any era. And I think Tom and Andy, you're waiting to speak. So... I think we'll kick off. Um, we're going to start with goalkeepers. Tom, have you got a goalkeeper that you'd you'd pick out of anyone? Yeah, it's. Um, I'd say I don't think we've been blessed with really good keepers over the years, have we? Um, but for me, and by the way, through this, I'm kind of considering my era really because you know it's hard to speak for before that. Um, so I'm kind of talking about '99 onwards. That sort of, of course, that sort yeah. of era. In that time, there's kind of two really that stick out for me, and they're pretty neck and neck. Magnus Hedman was a brilliant goalkeeper for us, great shot stopper. Um, and then second one would be, probably be Kieran Westwood, again, excellent goalkeeper. So yeah, that, between those two for me, really, if I had to make a decision, I'd probably put Westwood in, a um, bit more of an all round, all round keeper. Yeah, that's a fair point, isn't it? I mean, Kieran Westwood, actually, it, it's a very difficult one, this. And, and I'm sure when I share some of our followers starting 11s, you, you'll start to see familiar patterns. Uh, but you'll also see a few curveballs and, and players that you just forget about. You know, obviously, we've had so many players through the doors at Coventry City and Kieran Westwood have to be one of them. His, his sort of legacy has probably gone on a little bit unnoticed and and probably forgotten about. But yeah, he he had a really big impact in the Coventry. Andy, have you got anyone different from from those two? Yeah, um, similar to uh, Tom. Um, I didn't put Westwood in, but I definitely would uh, put Hedman or obviously Steve Grizovich. Um, yeah, I think if I had to choose, because obviously this is a position that I know quite well, I would choose Hedman over Oggy. I just think. Um, Hedman was a better shot stopper than Oggy. Um, I think Oggy maybe maybe a better talker, 
Uh, maybe came for crosses a lot better than Hedman, but I think Hedman was a better shot stopper and, and uh, also maybe better with his feet as well. So um, I think Hedman just slightly pips Oggy for me. Out of those sort of three, I mean, I'm sure we're not going to know the exact number and, and followers and, and listeners at home will, will be sort of Wikipedia in this now. But apps wise, I'm trying to think. Kieran Westwood made obviously a, a fair few appearances. Oggy would have made the most. Hedman was, how many would he have sort of had, Andy? I don't know off by heart, but obviously he came in, I think, 97, 98 season, didn't he? And then I think he, he left when we got relegated, didn't he? So he mm. was there a fair time, Dave. So yeah. I think he would have racked over 100. Yeah. I'll have, um, to, I'll have to look at that. Yeah, but, that's, that's a fair point. And, and Tom, as you, as you say, the, all of those keepers seem to have been around for a, a fair period to have stamped their sort of mark on the team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, Oggy was, was there for ages. Um, so he's he way left out. last week, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's been <laughs> hanging around a while, hasn't he? Um, Sorry coaching. to put in, 134, Magnus Hedman. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, you, you'd imagine Oggy must have, I don't know, what. I've ne- I oh, can't remember now. Hundreds, but, mate. Hundreds, 720. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Roughly. No, I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> he scored a goal as well, didn't he? Oggy. I think so. Yeah. I, think he's, I think he scored a goal, yeah, at some point. I can't remember it. Probably I'm before the time. Um, but yeah, and then West, I don't know about Westwood, but he, I don't know, he, he, what did he have a couple, two or three like, decent seasons with us? Mm-hmm. Um, seemed to always be under transfer speculation every window. We were always worried about him going. Um, and then eventually he went to, uh, I think it was Sunderland, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, a bit of a bad time. move for him, Tom Sunderland, wasn't it? Um, hardly played. It mm. was like, he, I think he started a bit of the Premier League season for them, but then obviously got dropped and it, it was a poor move for him. And then obviously he moved on from Sunderland. But talking about Westwood, he was um, an outstanding all-round keeper. He had He had the lot for me. Brilliant uh, kicking, great shot stopper. Yeah, good the shot stopping, the agility. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, was, he really could, he? He could get from post to post. He was, yeah, he was really great. solid. But the only that's, reason I put, added Hedman was because obviously he's Premier League experience. Yeah, that's true. Like you said with Westwood, I think he went to the Prem, maybe didn't quite cut it, but then he really found his feet in the championship at Sheffield mm. Wednesday. And then I think he was there um, for a good, what, eight, maybe even 10 years, really long stint there. Yeah, he, um, I think he won Player of the Year a couple of times for him as well. Yeah, I saw, a, I saw a montage clip probably mm. a couple of years ago now of some of his saves one season. Yeah, he was just unbelievable. Like, he just got better and better every year, even from when he was good at us. So, yeah, he's gone on to do pretty well, actually, at championship level. But still doesn't make our teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's very similar, really. I think West would be in there probably, but um, Hedman as well, I think it, it's a tough one. And obviously Oggy. I mean, it's just, it's hard to get away from Oggy. Um, one person I do have a real soft spot for was Tim Flowers. Uh, I remember watching him play, I think at Portsmouth. He could only have had a few appearances for us. I think you remember him saying he was a Cov supporter, uh, and he and he played for us. I think at Pompey away. I'm I'm trying to think back now, but didn't have many appearances for us. But I don't know why. He just had a bit of a soft spot. No, I, was... I remember him, Dave Tim Flowers, and uh, he was a boyhood cough fan. But the only thing we got him too late. He was outstanding for Blackburn, wasn't he, in that championship yeah. season for them? Yeah. But unfortunately, we got him a bit late in his in his uh, tail end of his career. I think it might have been the game at Portsmouth. I don't know why, mm. but. It might have been like the first time round that we had yellow shirts. Does anyone? I'm going back a bit long now, but like basically the club did this yellow, yellow come dressed in. Yeah, and I think the club said come dressed in yellow. Yeah, it rings a bell. And some guy came um... dressed in a, uh, you know, like the fisherman's friend, like. (laughs) (laughs) And he was just like sweating profusely because it was like a fair summer's day. To be fair. And uh, it was a great costume, but I think he was probably regretting it towards the second half. But yeah, yeah. Tim Flowers, I think, was yeah glad to see him play for, yeah. for Cobb. Was it was he um, a caretaker manager at one point as well? Or have I just made that up? Not manager. I think he was. Uh, I part thought of he the played in the Stoking team. Yeah, I, I was going to yeah. say. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's a part of the coaching team. Under Dowie, I think. Yeah, that yeah. rings about. Defenders. So obviously, and I think what will be apparent as we go through this is. Later on, we're going to talk about captains. And I expect a lot of players that come up in the captains chat will also come up in the, you know, starting 11 defenders. But Andy, I'll take it to you first. What sort of, if we start with centre-backs and you can pick two? 
Okay, two, I'd go with <clears throat> Killer Cooklein and Gary Breen. And the reason I chose those two, I think um, that there'd be a good mix then too. You'd have Killer going for the ball. He was a no-nonsense centre-half, won everything in the air, go through any player. You know, he was a real leader as well, but we'll go back onto that later. And I thought Gary, Gary Breen was a very cultured defender, a bit like, you know, how Andy Morrell talked about Callum Davenport, very in that Yeah, mold. no, I agree. Exactly. You know, like, very good ball player, wasn't he? Yeah. Very comfortable on the ball. Mm. Um, I always have this vision of Gary Breen as, like, st- like, I know it sounds really stupid, but bolt upright, like, yeah, yeah. very, very confident, very passing the ball out either side, just very confident, very, like you say, cultured. Yeah. Very cultured, and yet, you know, he was, he was quite quick as well. And he could, you know, if if Killer was going to go for the ball and he he missed it, I would be pretty sure Breen could sweep up and and mop up any of their danger. So, you know, he had those telescopic telescopic legs as well, didn't he, Gary Breen? So, yeah, Green Breen and Killer for me, Dave. I think that'd be a good combo. Any different, Tom? Um, yeah, a little bit different. Um, Killer was a little bit before my time, obviously. Um, so yeah, looking into my era, um, and by the way, Gary Breen, and interestingly, <laughs> yeah, and yours. Sorry, I can talk about you like you're ancient, Dave. Um, <laughs> I was one years old, I've still got the picture, <laughs> yeah. I'll um, it out. But yeah, interesting one about Gary Breen, actually. I, I don't know if you lads know, I was actually mascot running out with Gary Breen in 2001. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was that was good. He's, re- he's a really nice bloke as well, as being a good player, but. Probably I was probably a little bit young to sort of appreciate, you know, his his abilities on the football pitch. Um, so the two I've gone for are Mo Konyuk. I'm Konyuk. just going to have to stop you there, Tom. So listeners, if you do want to see a picture of Tom running out with Gary Breen, all you need to do <laughs> is just tweet us at hashtag Sky Blues Extra Podcast, and we'll make sure we get that on the Twitter page at some point. Brilliant. I have to I have to text mum now and fight, dig out this picture, aren't I? Do carry on, Tom. Do carry on. Um, Yeah, so Mo Konyik is one of mine that I'm going to pick. Brilliant, brilliant player. Big stature. Obviously had one of the best cough songs as well that we've ever, ever had, um, which obviously came out on on one of the recent pods. Um, I would also go for Scott Dan. Obviously a bit more of a recent player. But yeah, he was he was brilliant, and always remember that goal he scored against Newcastle in the cup. I don't know if you lads remember that long throw into the box from Gunnison in the like ninety fifth minute or something. He smashed it in with his head. So yeah, I thought he was brilliant, and again another player who's gone on to good things, obviously in the Premier League, pretty consistently. So yeah, he he gets in my my team. And uh, let's move on to right back, left back. You can have wing backs if you want. I'm sure some of you have got variations in your teams, but Andy. Yeah, I'll go for a left-back straight away because obviously I'm going with a 4-4-2 uh, standard. So left-back, no wing-backs for me. Uh, David Burrows um, as a left-back. Um, and the right-back, I'm going to go for Roland Nielsen. Um, he was um, an outstanding Rolls-Royce of a, of a football player. Um, and a lovely before. head of hair as well. Great, yeah, real fine quiff. Never moved <laughs> out of place, did it? So... You know, he could be in, in, in a gold, gold mouth scramble and it still would be no, not out of place. You know, he was he was a fantastic, elegant footballer, not be, mainly because of his positional sense. His positional sense uh, in that back four was just outstanding, never out of position because he wasn't blessed with the greatest of pace. But he was never found wanting, never anyone never really got behind him. And that was because of his fantastic positional sense. So Roland Nielsen at right back for me, Dave, and... Bugsy Burrows at left-back. Tom? Uh, I'm going to go with um, left-back. I'm going to go with Danny Fox. And on the right-back, right, uh, right back, I'm going to go with uh, Roland Nielsen as well. Obviously, again, always appreciate our followers and tweeting into us. I'm going to start with Kevin Parsons. He's. Uh, I'm just going to do his defence and then we can move on to some others. But he picked Hedman in goal, so a bit similar to you lads. He also picked Burrows, Breen, Phil Babb bit of a curveball, um, and Hall. And I think actually it's interesting, Marcus Hall, a lot of caps, didn't he? Really dedicated his time to, to Coventry City, Andy. Yeah, yeah, he was my second choice behind uh, David Burrows. Yeah, um, Marcus Hall was like, obviously a Cov lad, wasn't he? he? played for, I think he played for us twice, because I think, he, did he go to Derby in between? Maybe. I've got a feeling he did move I think away. he did, yeah. yeah. He went back and then he came back, but he made loads of appearances. So, yeah, Marcus Hall was just, just, Below uh, David Burrows for me, but yeah, he was a good player for us. A few others from 
our listeners. So Magsy, Andy Maguire, at Andy Maguire, has said Glazier in goal. Uh, and he also added in Peak, uh, Trevor Peak, who obviously played in the 87 Cup final. Uh, moving on to midfielders now, Tom. Do you go centre of the park first? Yeah, so the, the formation I've kind of put here, because um, there were certain players I wanted to include, I've kind of gone with a like a four three one two formation. So sort of three central midfielders. Sorry, a four three one four three one two. So kind of like three centre mids. Right. And then and then you've got an attacking mid and then two strikers. Yeah, I allow it. It works on FIFA, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh right, I've gone so with my three join my centre mids then, my three centre mids. Yeah, let's kick off with it. Um so I've gone with Gary McAllister, Mustafa Hadji and Michael Doyle. Andy, I'm thinking you're going to have to have Doyle in there, I'm sure. I think everyone would have Doyle in, but but maybe not. Any no, different? No, no Doyle. Um, my two, yeah, my two centre midfielders would be George Botang and Gary McAllister. Botang was just an outstanding ball-winning player. In my opinion, he was a better player than Michael Doyle. I know a lot of people will be going, oh, God, you can't say that against Doyle, blah, blah. But he was. I thought he was a better player than Doyle. So I'd go George Botang and, of course, Gary McAllister because he can ping 60s for fun. Both similar players, weren't they? But Botang seemed Botang to was be more a little combative. bit more, yeah. little bit more athletic as well, mm. quicker, but obviously also very good defensively, box to box. He's yeah, from what I remember of of Botang, yeah, he was just he was a similar player, but his engine was just something else. But he also had that sort of turn of foot pace, didn't he? He did. His energy levels were, were outstanding. He could win the ball. And that's why I chose him alongside Gary Mack, because he could get Botan, he could chase the ball down, win the ball, give it Gary Mack, and he can start the place from there. Ollie Manning uh, on Twitter said McAllister and Botang also. Um, who else? Yeah, Scott Weymouth, Gary McAllister, Peter Gilbert. Gary McAllister, Ben Wise, Gary McAllister. <laughs> so I think we're seeing a bit of a pattern there. Gary McAllister, Tom, just sum up, you know, your sort of thoughts and feelings about Gary McAllister. Yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty young when he was playing, so I don't remember him that much. But yeah, technically, I think one of our one of our best ever players that we've had at the club. Um, so yeah, he he was he was a fantastic player. Um, and then it, it, he went on to be our manager as well, didn't he, I think? Yeah, he was a player manager. For a short so period, I think. I'll never forget the game, but we was on TV um, Christmas time. I don't know if it was actually Boxing Day, but it was that sort of fixture. And um, we beat Derby. I think it was 3-0. But if you get a chance, look at the volley. It's just something else. It, it, it's sort of a defensive header cleared out of the box. And it's 25, 30 yards out. And it's just, yeah, they called it a Christmas cracker. And it, it really was like just literally as soon as it left his boot, you could tell it was going in. I think I was in the East Stand that day. Um, and it was just our oh, absolute. Just was that the same game, game that Hignett scored a volley? Yeah, I think so. There was two yeah. pretty decent goals in the game. Yeah. 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 Immense couple of strikes. Yeah. But that McAllister goal was just, oh. yeah, so good. And then we'll move on to our sort of our other midfield players. I'll. Let you go first, Tom. Yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't really pick sort of wingers, um, but in that sort of attacking midfielder role, I went for James Madison. Yeah, just a bit of a creator there uh, behind the strikers. Um, obviously, he's gone. He's gone to really great things. So, um, yeah, I've I've kind of stuck him in there. And who have you gone for in that sort of? You've played a four four two. So, yeah, uh, down the right hand side, Dave Bennett. I think that um, he could deliver great service. He was a very direct winger. Beautiful crosser of the ball. Could take a man on and whip it in, and uh, he'll be perfect for my one of my strikers, which I'll be talk about in a minute. And the other one on the left hand side would be Noel Whelan. Um, he's my favourite ever Cov player. You know, um, my first game at Cov was '96 uh, when we beat Chelsea one 0 and he scored the first goal. And he he had the ability to play for England, in my opinion. Um, he just didn't have the mentality for it unfortunately, uh, off the field antics and stuff like that. But when he was on the pitch and at it, there was not many better than Noel. And um, he could chip in with goals. He was great on the ball. He could do pirouettes in the centre of midfield. No, he was um, an outstanding talent and uh, has to be in my side, on the left-hand side. I think you often forget, don't you, how good he was with the ball at his oh. feet. I know it sounds silly, but everyone remembers Huckabee, Running, you know, running down down the wing and skinning mm. players for fun. But 
you know, there's lots of goals out there, isn't there, of, of Whelan's where he's just absolutely taking people on for fun. But like a lot of people don't think, and it's a bit sort of Crouch-esque, isn't it, in, in the fact that a lot of people don't always remember Crouch for having really good feet. But, mm. of course, he, he, he did. Uh, no, I agree. Whelan, obviously, yeah, amazing. Uh, for me, Dave Bennett on the right, I, I'd have to agree with you. We've had so many players, obviously great players that have played on the right and, and have gone to do good things. I mean, you could say Jordan Henderson, who's now, you know, probably going to lift the, the Premier League title. He he played for us and played on the right-hand side, didn't he, for a season maybe uh, on loan. For me, yeah, Bennett on the right, but on the left-hand side, I've got a really curveball, but it's a really weird one. And, and being a left midfielder myself, I sort of modelled myself on him. It's really weird. I can't remember when it was, but I remember watching him. Uh, but Richie Partridge, real weird one, on loan. <laughs> Obviously, there's so many more left midfielders that have played for us that have gone on to do much more for Coventry City. But just as a personal one, yeah, it was a player that I weirdly modelled modelled myself on. He had chalk on his boots at all time. He played under Gary McAllister, but he was quick, beat players down the line, and I just thought he was really, really talented. He didn't really go on to do that much, but very talented player, and I just remember he- seeing him. Was he from Liverpool, Dave? Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't yeah. think he did much after that. Um, no. I think he struggled with injuries as well, to be honest. Mm. But a yeah. really weird one and a real, like, you know, blast from the past. But just as a personal one, I sort of modelled myself quite a lot on him. So nice. I, I just really rated him. So let's move on to strikers now. Uh, Tom? Yeah, so for me, um, two like heroes of mine when I started watching City, um, Robbie Keane and Darren Huckabee. I was there at Robbie Keane's debut. Remember, we beat Derby 2-0. We scored both of the goals. Um, he was he was brilliant. I think he's still our record transfer fee, isn't he, to this day? Um, and uh, and Darren Huckabee, funnily enough, he was at my first ever City shirt, uh, had Huckabee on the back. Um, and he actually left to go to Leeds three days after I bought it. Um, so after that, I've never got a player's name on my back ever again. Um, I've, yeah, I've still got the shirt. It's absolutely tiny. Huckabee 7. But yeah, that was uh, that was a little bit disappointing. But yeah, both both of them would would be my strikers. And who would you have up top, Andy? Same as Tom with Huckabee. Um, he was uh, a fantastic striker. He had no fear. He had he just wanted to take people on. He had confidence, full confidence that when he was going to take someone on, he was going to score. The only thing a little bit annoying about Huckabee that he was offside every two minutes. But apart from <laughs> apart from that, he was uh, he was brilliant for us and uh, a much needed signing from Newcastle because um, he helped keep us up that season. Um, we were really struggling when he got brought in from Newcastle and he, and he helped us keep us up. So yeah, definitely Darren Huckabee and also well Dion Dublin. Obviously, with playing Dave Bennett on the right, I needed someone in the air who could attack those crosses, and there's no one better than Big Deal. Yeah, I'm just look, looking through Twitter and our followers, and yeah, Robbie Keane makes pretty much nearly every side. Uh, very similar to Gary McAllister in the way that he's, he's there, but he makes nearly every single team. Huckabee's obviously very popular as well, as is Dublin, of course, but Keno is just. So many memorable, you know, you only have to watch back the premiership years, don't you? And you'll always see Keane banging one in and then getting out the old, well, I think it was a roly-poly. What what would you say? Was it cartwheel, Tom? Roly-poly? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. Some, yeah, I think it was like a cartwheel in into a roly-poly and, and then, then the, the, some yeah. sort of finale or whatever you call it. But yeah, it wasn't yeah, one that I was, it wasn't one that I was mimicking in the garden, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and I'm like doing it now I'm like I'm on a podcast no one can see me but I'm like I can just the fingers I can it's yeah. the fingers when he just straight down the camera Sky Sports isn't it it's just yeah. uh, absolutely no, I memorable I wouldn't recommend practicing that in, in your house Dave you might get no. you know you might get severely injured although yeah, it wouldn't no. matter because you'd be you'd be sat working from home anyway but there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no I, I'm not going to give it a go but yeah, literally, Kino, what a legend. Some really, really great goals. And Dublin, he obviously scored some fantastic goals. But we all remember the one against Newcastle. Was it Newcastle? Shea Given? Yeah. Newcastle, yeah, Shea Givens. When he uh, went up behind him, didn't he? He didn't know he was there. Yeah, he it's... put it in. But yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was always nice. Always nice to get a goal that pisses off uh, Newcastle fans. Yeah, no, it was a, a really good finish. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to get you to each speak about your benches now. Um, I'll start off with Tom. Is there anyone that 
couldn't quite make it into the starting eleven, but had to go on the bench? Yeah, there's a few on my bench. I guess it's um, just sort of a bench or kind of like honourable mentions of just players that I think were uh, were brilliant, but I couldn't quite fit them in in the team. So obviously I, I went for Westwood as my keeper. So I've gone for Hedman as my my spare keeper. As a spare defender, I've gone for Richard Shaw. I think he's a, he's a really solid option. Obviously played a huge number of games for Cov over the years. Another player who who was our caretaker manager at one point. It seems like everyone in this team had a had a pop at manager. I've gone for Liam Walsh. I'm a little bit potentially a little bit controversial, but I think he's just so good that he deserves a, a spot on the bench. And you know, if this was a team, he could definitely come on and, and do some magic. So I've pop, popped him in there for a laugh. I've gone for Yusef Chippo as well. Him him and Haji combo uh, was fantastic back in the day. So I've gone for him as a, as an option. Another striker. I've gone for Callum Wilson. You know, That's just the number of goals. Yeah, again, yeah. a player that just slips through the memory, doesn't it? But he is obviously doing huge things now in the Premier League. You know, he looks like he's going to go on to have a international career of some description um, and scored some really important goals for Coventry and also just scored some great goals. His pace was just electrifying. Yeah, it really was. I think he didn't play for us for that long, did he, really? But scored a load of goals in the time he did. And him and Leon Clark linking up were were unbelievable. Um, it's just a shame that we were playing in Northampton at the time. But yeah, he, he was brilliant. And yeah, as you said, he's gone on to, to wonderful things. And, you know, he's probably got a great international career ahead of him as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about the Northampton. It's a shame, really, that a lot of people didn't get to see that partnership week in, week out. I can't remember what game it was when we were on TV and we just rocketed, I think, into a really quick lead. And then I'm not sure if we lost or we got pegged back, but I can't remember what game that was now. But we started Bradford. absolutely. Was Bradford, it? Dave. Yeah, Bradford away. What was the score in the end? Do you know? I think I don't know if we lost or what. It was on Sky. I think it might have been two all in the end. I think we drew, but it might. I, I might be wrong, but I know it was Bradford. I went. It's when Presley had a bit of a fight with Parkinson on the sidelines, weren't it? Right. Yeah. Dark age. It. Dark ages football, wasn't it? That's what yeah. Pre- Presley said during his interview, and then mm. Parkinson kicked off during the interview that was live on CWR or whatever. Yeah. It was <laughs> so, hilarious. Brilliant. Yeah. Loved it. And Andy. Let's, let's go through your bench. Yeah, um, I'd go for Oggy as a reserve keeper. Uh, Richard Shaw as a centre-half cover. Doyle as, in, as a midfield cover. And for a bit of magic off the bench, I'd go for Mustafa Hadji. And uh, someone we haven't mentioned, Peter Unlove. Yeah, God, that's just there's so many, isn't there? And, and this is the thing. But it's very, very difficult to, to pick an 11. But Peter Unlove, I wow. mean... He really did score some amazing goals again for Coventry, didn't he? He made such an impact again uh, on the fans as well. I think it's fair to say. I think a lot of fans um, have got you know a lot of um, time for for, the, for for Peter and Love and his goals and, and what he did at Coventry City. And I think that yeah, it's it's very difficult. There's a lot of players that could fit in there. I think Tom made a really good point about Richard Shaw. Sort of almost dedicated his Definitely. life to Coventry City. I think it'd be fair to say, mm. uh, and we heard about him obviously recently with with, with Andy Morrow and uh, t- when he was taken for his p- paces for the bleep test. That was a, a funny, a funny anecdote. But um, yeah, Richard Shaw, what a legend! He, he didn't score many goals for for Coventry, Andy. No, he only scored one, didn't he? I think it was a cracker against Gillingham uh, yeah. <laughs> away. I think it was in that shocking red kit, a red and white kit, weren't it? That. Oh, that was Which awful. Was, but... Seems so baggy. Oh. Yeah. I, I like funny. Like we, we were going Did back through the kits. Yeah. Oh, and man, all the pictures now from 2004, like they do just look like they're wearing dresses. Yeah, they were so long, weren't they? It was like I was doing like looking at a few pictures like of Andy Morell and like his era and like I put a photo of Gary McSheffrey and Trevor Benjamin out, like the last game of Highfield Road and it was like, yeah, like they were wearing like a, a, a dress. It was just like so baggy. It's just unreal, isn't it? The kit. Tom, was Tom did terrible. you own one of the? Was it? Did you just say kit at or whatever it was? What was the make? Yeah, yeah, kit at, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I presume they're dissolved as a company. <laughs> was it even a company? Was it not? I thought it might have just been our own. We made our own kits and we ran out of like names and things, so we just called it something that looked cool. And made us look like we had some, I don't know, some cool commercial deal in place. 
double XL and Gary McSheffrey. Well done, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably because they only had like a select number of shirts. I think finance was so tight that they were like... Because yeah. I remember hearing something once when they said they had to re rewash the kit or something. Yeah, I think they still do that, you know. Do they? Yeah, I think so. I heard that a couple of years Shipley ago. He doesn't. He gives it away every week. Yeah, well, they're not supposed to, apparently. They're not supposed to give the kits away. But, yeah, I remember <laughs> I was at a game a couple of years ago and I was, I was stood next to someone who knows quite a lot about what goes on behind the scenes. And I think we were, like, wearing the home kit when we clearly should have been wearing the away kit. And I was whinging like I normally do about that because it, it annoys me. And they were saying, oh, yeah, it's because the home kit's in the wash. And I was like, oh, the, sorry, the away kit was in the wash. And I was like, are you joking? Surely that isn't the reason. But, yeah, apparently that's what happens. This was Coventry City, not like Park Tavern Rovers on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah, no, this was this was our beloved Coventry City football club. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, but any final thoughts on starting eleven, Tom? Uh, no, no thoughts from me. Really, pretty happy with that. Like you said, it's it's quite hard to. Like, I was sitting down today trying to kind of put this team together, and there's just so many players that you've. Um, that you've seen over the years that have been brilliant. So it's, it's quite hard to put it together and get everyone to fit in, but pretty happy with the with the players we've discussed. Yeah, it'd be a, be a good team to, to watch, wouldn't it? And the captain? For me, captain is an absolute no-brainer, Michael Doyle. One of the best leaders we've had at the club. As, well, definitely in my, my kind of era anyway. Um, you know, led us to promotion from League Two and obviously had two stints at the club. So yeah, for me, it's Doyle every day of the week. Andy, taking it to you for captain? Um, killer, killer, kill Klein. He was an unreal leader on the pitch and off it as well. Um, people looked up to him. I was watching a podcast the other day, and uh, John Beresford was on uh, from Newcastle. I know it's not about Coventry, but obviously, Killer went to Newcastle, and um, yeah, that's all right. If you want to do yeah. a podcast about Newcastle, no, no, but it's, it's relevant, it's relevant, Dave. <laughs> Chill, just give me a two minutes, I'll get to my point. He said, it was asked the question, who was the biggest influence of Newcastle under that Keegan era? And he said, Brian Kilcline. And that was because of what he did off the pitch and what he was like around the dressing room. And I think that applies to what he was like at Cov. He was uh, an unreal leader and uh, on and off the pitch, Dave. So my point's valid, but yeah, go on. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. No, I'm really joking. And um, there's obviously got to be someone that leads this team. Tom, who's your manager? That's a tough one. That's a really tough question, that is. Um, going by my era, it's going to have to be Mark Robbins, isn't it? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's in my era, it's got, it's, it has to be, which, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been that great in my era, so he, he kind of stands out ahead of everyone else. So, yeah, I'll go Mark Robbins. Andy? That is a good question, Dave. I would go for... Uh, because I'd like to see Mark Robbins play his football with this team, which I've picked. But no, I'm not going to go for Robbins. I'd go for another manager who was really successful, um, who used to play attractive, good football, and John Sillett for me. John Sillett. Like Tom, you went with the same like one from your era. <laughs> what, John Sillett, 87? <laughs> not quite, mate. I was, what, six? So, no. Do you remember it, Grizo? Vaguely. <laughs> I do. No. I told you I was one. I remember it. Yeah. I was minus six. Oh, mate, that makes me feel awful. Well, I'm going. (laughs) No, but John Sinnott, hey, what incredible for what he did for for Coventry City and and obviously one of our most famous days. For me, it's a very, very tough one. I think Gordon Strachan also gets a lot of sort of stick. And I think we mentioned this before, but yeah, I think he done a really good job in those years that he did manage to keep us up. And it seemed that we sort of pulled out the fire every single every single season but yeah it's, it's, again managers is a really tough one I think Mark Robbins is just showing now that he's done a tremendous job I think he's got the team playing in such great football in a really good way but I think also what he's done off the pitch I think he's harmonized as much as he can the sort of off the pitch situation as well I think so um yeah I think good points on Mark Robbins great manager and John Sillett also and I'm sure our followers and listeners will will have their own thoughts and and their own players uh, sorry managers you're listening to Sky Blues Extra moving on now to an update from the Football League they have said and come out that the primary objective is 
in order to protect the competition's integrity is to deliver a successful conclusion to the 2019-20 season, subject to the overriding priority around health and well-being. Plans continue to be developed on the agreed principle that it is in the best interest of the year founder clubs to complete the current season at the appropriate time. Tom, I'm going to take it to you first. What What's your thoughts on the season? Obviously, we know that football really in in by and large, is irrelevant in, in light of what's happening in, in what is an awful situation at, at the moment in England. But what, what would be your sort of ideal situation if, if time allowed? Yeah, it's, it's a very difficult one, isn't it? Obviously, very disappointed that the, the season's come to a bit of an abrupt kind of stop for now. But obviously, you know, it's very important to kind of get, get everyone kind of apart and get everyone healthy and you know that's the main priority so football as you say does take a bit of a back seat disappointingly for obviously people like us who you know we live and breathe it every weekend and every day almost um but yeah I think I think they've been pretty sensible about it you know there's you can't put an exact date in but they've just sort of pushed it back a bit and you can't call it all off so I think it's just a case of monitoring the situation and just being sensible really um, just putting kind of rough dates in in the future and, and aiming for that, I think is sensible. I think it would be very silly just to kind of call everything off and just put a stop to it because there's no reason why it can't carry on, you know, as and when it's sensible to do so and with the, with the you know with the guidance from the experts. In terms of how it's going to pan out, I don't think any any of us can predict really what's going to happen. You know, obviously the dream scenario at this point would be for it to continue in the summer you know, in front of crowds and then we can obviously enjoy that promotion that we that we deserve and that the fans deserve. I think the the kind of plan B and the probably not the end of the world, but would still be quite disappointing would be if it was played behind closed doors. I think that's probably looking like the mo- most likely scenario. It's got to the point now, I don't know about you boys, but where just we just want to get promoted and, and obviously everyone's health is the most important thing. But, um, you know, if we if we had to miss out and almost make that sacrifice in terms of fans, then then so be it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as long as we get up and, and, you know, everything gets back to normal and, you know, everyone's healthy, then that's the best we can hope for. I think if the season has to start later on and they have to sack off cup competitions then so be it. And then we kind of go again next year and it might just, the complexion might be a little bit different, but definitely sort of unprecedented times for, for football and for the, for the whole country really. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think that's the difficult thing is, is that, behind closed doors but there's still there is obviously still teams feeling the wider effects of it people that have, have had the the um virus and, and been infected and not shown any major life-threatening signs but of course then that that would struggle for some of them to perhaps field a team if you look at Portsmouth recently they've now got three players haven't they that have had been tested positive and that that's spread to the rest of the team then again they're going to have to be you know go through this and for at least two to you know three four weeks or, or what have you so it, it's a very difficult situation Andy what, what are your thoughts yeah uh like Tom said obviously for first mass we've got to obviously make sure we obviously go by what the government says and self-isolate and and stay at home I wasn't encouraged by what came out by the EFL not only what they said about that they want the season to finish, that's great news, but also whenever that will be. I know they're pencilled in, I think, the 30th of April, but I can't really see that happening. But if it does, even if it's behind closed doors, then at least the intention of everyone, even the Premier League and everyone around, seems to be around the world, that they want it, want the season finished. So that's great news. There's not any Ullman and Aaron unless you're Karen Brady. Um, wonder why she's I'm not sure if this is like to, just going to bring you in on this Andy but yeah. if if say for example because a lot of people said about stopping the season and, yeah. and you mentioned there about Karen Brady and well I'm not sure if you can class with one of our own but you know one of our own supporters Richard Keyes has, has obviously been quite vocal not one um, of them no quite vocal about perhaps that the league should 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 end and, and it would mean that his beloved Sky Blues would not <laughs> go up um, but with that is, would there be anything to stop them from just saying, well, let's just stop the league as it is right now and, well, you know, and then start the season, the new season, whenever whenever possible? Do you think that is is worse than, than not playing it out and, and making it a void season? Or? 
I don't think you can because of the amount of lawsuits that would come their way. How many lawsuits would come out of this if this voided the season? Oh, like, yeah, no, Liverpool, I totally agree. But us, what, I'm, what I'm saying is in a counter-argument, and this is all hypothetical, but in a counter-argument of... Yeah people saying well we should just void the league is, is you know is it any different voiding the league any different to to um just stopping it early now and saying well their it? argument is like void the league and then we can pick it up in obviously august when hopefully everyone's better and this, this whole situation's finished but you can't just write off 30 games that's just ridiculous so in my opinion anyway so I think, and that's the opinion of most people and, and the opinion of the EFL and the Premier League. So they want the season done for the integrity of our sport. And I totally agree with that. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and all that hard work and all of well, that. Exactly. What what it feels to me as, and this is, you know, we we know that there's an underlying serious issue and we're sat here tonight and we're all watching news. We all know, like we're not, we've said it already that football does take a sort of back, back seat. But just in the terms of the wider consequences for Coventry should this this happen um a season is a long long time last season we finished I think eighth wasn't it and um had a real good push but but wasn't quite close enough I'm sure we're set up to be able to challenge if the season was to be to be voided but you know you could really see I don't know your, your sort of fortunes could really change couldn't they you know you could then end up being in a relegation battle I mean I don't think many people at South End would have been expecting them to be in the predicament that they're in at the moment last season Tom yeah exactly I don't, I, yeah it's I, it doesn't I just can't, care thinking about, it, does it? But. It doesn't. Like, I can't. I can't really imagine how how it would how it would happen. And I just think there's so many weird things about, like you know, you've had different players playing. Like even like two halves of the season, there'd be different players. You got Bolton with a points deduction, and there's just there's so many moving parts of why it just wouldn't make sense to void an entire season. From and my point of view is, like, why are we so worried about next season when we haven't even finished the current season? If football's on hold, then why are we talking about, why are we trying to start any sort of season? You know, even if it was next year that we have to start, finish off football, it's 10 games that, that need to be played. So yeah. I feel like it just, everything just needs to shift really. Um, <clears throat> I was going to make a point about what you were saying as well, Dave, about about finishing the season as it stands. Um, obviously, you know, we'd all be in favour of that from our point of view. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you've got to think about other clubs where, it's not as favourable. You know, one example, I'm just looking at no, the Premier was, League table. No, I was. I was thinking about Aston Villa. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But I'm just looking at the <laughs> Premier League table here, right? You've got Man United in fifth on 45 points, right? And fifth place are going to get the Champions League this year yeah. because of City not getting it or there's yeah. sort of cups or whatever, you know, fifth, well, sixth. Well, that, that may get thrown out there saying now, but still. Yeah, yeah but if, uh, anyway. If, let, if it goes ahead, yeah. Let's say that fifth place is pretty valuable, right? And it could be a, you know, European spot. You've got Sheffield United on 43 points and have played a game less. Man United on 45 points. So if you're, you know, if we're saying stop the season, then what do you do with that? Do you say, oh, well, Sheffield United probably would have won their game in hand, so then they get fifth? Or do you simulate that extra game? Do you take a game off everyone? Like, it's just, it's just a nightmare, isn't it? Like, there's no, there's no really fair way of doing it. So in my eyes, the only fair way of doing it is to resume as and when it's appropriate to do so. Yeah, and complete the competition. And that that is what the EFL have said. Obviously, they've said it's subject to overriding priority around health and well-being. But you'd have to say that you'd expect the season to be finished. Um, how do you think that's going to affect Coventry when they start again, Andy? Regarding fitness-wise, do you mean? Um Yeah, I mean, obviously also momentum. And, and mm. it's a bit like having a not a pre-season, but it's a bit like starting all over again. Um, I was thinking the only bonus of this is that there'll be teams that are just want to ride out the season even more so than ever now, because yeah. there's teams that Tom mentioned on previous podcasts where they're sort of in that middle of the table. They're not going to go up. They're not going to go down. They're not really playing for anything. Um, and actually you could see that those sides may, may well roll over even more so possibly. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Um, but yeah, um, it's going to be difficult because like the players are going to have weeks off, even months off, aren't they? Without really playing, and it's I think it's difficult for them even to train at the moment, isn't it? I don't think they've even been down the Sky Blue Lodge 
since obviously they've been taken out of the lodge. So it's going to be difficult for them. But when they get the all clear and they can start training again, it they need to get back on it. Robbins is going to play a crucial part. AD Vivas is going to play a crucial part. All the staff are going to play a crucial part to get the, the players' heads back on it. However, this group of players do seem quite determined. They seem quite a level-headed bunch. So I think they know what job they've got to do and uh, hopefully the break. But it has come at a really bad time because we were flying, weren't we? We were really flying. So hopefully we can pick that momentum up uh, whenever we get back playing. I'll tell you what, yeah. though. Thank God we were flying because being what we were seven points clear in the automatics. Yeah. I mean that's a, you know that's quite a cushy place to be if the season is going to resume. Mm. I, I'd hate to be like you know we talked about that chasing pack. They're all in the same number of points, and we said yeah. how it yeah. wouldn't be very nice being in there. We were saying that with games to play like now. Can you imagine being in that pack and you don't know when you're going to be playing and blah blah. That's just you know that that would be horrible. I think like where Sunderland are, for example. Like what yeah, they, we're kind of sitting there, aren't we? And and we're we're going to probably in a lot of these players' minds, they're they're focusing on that just that one person in front of them or that person two two spots up. And it, even though we haven't run away with it, and and we we've again spoke about this before, it feels like we're probably almost feels like we're going to be left to our own sort of devices, and yeah. everyone's going to be struggling to. Yeah, and that um that sort of mid-table team factor, like you mentioned, Dave, I didn't I didn't even think about that to be fair. And yeah, I mean. If you're a mid-table team with nothing to play for, just and you're being told over, to play to play ten matches, like do you just put the kids out and protect your good, protect your best players? You know, yeah. like, would that will that happen? I don't know. Possibly. Um, I mean, the only thing I thought about, I don't know how much it differs in League One to to the Premiership. I know me and you, Thomas, spoke previously about the difference now between one spot in the Premier League is is something like a million per place or something. So I'm sure it's nothing like that in League One, but. I'd imagine there still would be some sort of incentive to 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 be a higher position, but you still think that some players will just be thinking, "I just want the season to be over now." And and in what is a, a really you know serious situation, and and look, we completely understand. I don't think I need to say again that we understand that football's football, and 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 what's going on at the moment is obviously terrible. But it, it, it's interesting uh, to see what will happen when we finally do resume. Hopefully that will be that the fixtures are still played out. The league holds its integrity, as it said. Uh, and hopefully, as long as we keep our performances as they were, we'll go you know, up to the championship and be playing championship football next season. I think, Andy, it was was it in after the 87 we would have played in Europe. And, and obviously because of the disaster, I think, at Heysel, we, we, we English clubs were banned for, for three years. Was that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was correct. Yeah, we were going to be in Europe and, uh, yeah, it was because, well, what happened in high school. So, yeah, yeah. that was right, Dave, yeah. It's just, look- again, awful, wouldn't it, to see that it's something out, sort of outside <laughs> our control would stop us from... Typical, from, uh, Yeah. I was just about to say, I love how you cut to Grizo for any yeah, questions for that. from yeah. 87. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Anything Class. before 1990. Grizo covers off. Yeah. <laughs> That's just yeah. <laughs> we're on fifty-seven minutes podcast, so I thought we're we're gonna wrap it. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, we are. We aren't gonna wrap it, but we are gonna move on to speak about club captains now. And we asked our followers, which was one of our hot topics this week, club captain and why. So, who is your favourite ever club captain and why? Tom, take it to you. Yeah, so uh, Michael Doyle for me, as I had him added my team. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant club captain, brilliant leader. Um, I think I think he was captain in both both stints for us, if I'm right in thinking. So yeah, I'd I'd have him, and obviously as I mentioned, bringing us up from from League Two and all the stuff he did then. Um, so yeah, he's pretty easy for me in terms of kind of my era anyway. Andy, uh, Dion Dublin for me, Dave. Um, I think uh, he was an outstanding captain, outstanding player, real leader. Um, I remember watching him from the East Stand at Highfield Road and the way he used to like talk to the team before the game in the huddle, they were all listening to him, every word that all the players were. And I remember he used to like walk off at half time with Huckabee, just like talking to him, like just giving him tips of where to be, where not to be. And yeah, he just little things like that. Just he was just a real leader around the place. And I think in the dressing room, if anyone had a problem personally or even at the club, they could go to Dion and and they they could talk to him, and you know that's not that's quite rare in footballers. So, yeah, Dion Dublin for me. 
And a couple from our listeners, and, and again, we always say to our followers, do contact us on Twitter using the Sky Blues Extra podcast hashtag. Phil Fisk says, always remember watching Killer as a kid, thinking he was mad. Doyle was excellent in the lead two promotion season, but Dion Dublin was just everything you wanted as a captain, a true leader, and my ultimate favourite. Russ Moore said, Carl Baker, brilliant with the fans, and even turned up at away games, even though he wasn't playing for us at the time. That's quite an interesting one. Dan Watson said he loved Kelly since he's been here, but Doyle would have to be the ultimate leader. Uh, Mohamed Kronje got a few mentions. Obviously, Killer obviously got lots. Terry Yorif. So Mark Smith said, Terry Yorif. We came from behind many times at Highfield Road under his leadership. So some really, yeah, mixed mixed bag of, of captains there and, and, and why. But it's great to see such a, a mixed mixed bunch. For you, Andy, is there anyone else that was sort of second close or? Yeah, I think Killer Kilkline, I think... Um... He's an iconic captain, isn't he? Um, he lifted obviously the '87 exactly, yeah. FA Cup. He's you know plastered in our history, isn't he? So I think him and Doyler as well. I think Doyler's needs a mention because like, obviously he's Tom's captain, isn't he? But he's been great as well. But yeah, Killer Kilcline for another mention, 100. percent Okay, and that brings us to the end of this evening's show. Um, bit of a shorter one this time um, and we just want to make sure that and we say to you obviously stay safe and please do enjoy the content that we have on our Twitter I know that there's going to be a lot more time where without football at the moment and and hopefully you find some entertainment in in what we're doing in on our Twitter if you do want to make sure you don't miss a post or you keep up to date you can turn on your notifications so you just go onto the Sky Blues Extra profile and you just tick to say that you want to be told about notifications when we release a post. But that's all we've got time for. Thank you ever so much for listening again, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra podcast. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.